You're listening to Tech Nest, the PropTech Podcast. In each episode, you'll hear from PropTech founders, investors, and industry veterans on how they're using tech to change the way we buy, sell, and invest in real estate. Discover market opportunities, interesting data, growth tactics, and trends driving the industry forward. This isn't just another podcast about making money in real estate. This is about how we live. And now your host, Nate Smoyer. Hey, David. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Nate. Glad to be here. Excited to have you on the show. I've got David Kaiserman. He's CEO of a company called Backpack. They're a full-service data platform enabling building owners to easily share their data, partners of their choosing, and end creating a more efficient manner to access current future benefits made possible by the data. And I was debating on how I wanted to start the show, whether I had to start with the intro or get into the background. But I think I'm going to dig into the background here first. Before we get into the technicals of the product, I'd love to talk about a little bit your background, why you're building this. And then I want to talk about the team you've assembled this in such a short period of time. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, first of all, really excited to be here and thanks for taking the time. Um, I spent the last 18 years at Lennar. I was president of Lennar Ventures and helped direct the company's innovation activities, Lennar being a large public home builder. And a lot of times people think of the company as being large from a financial perspective. But in reality, um, notwithstanding its financial size, it builds a fraction, a small fraction of the homes in this country. There's over a million homes a year built. There's over 134 million households in the country. And, you know, Lennar today builds an, an, an eye-opening 60,000-plus homes. Um, and that makes it a company of significant size and stature. But it reminds you that this is an industry that's really made up and representative of sort of the American fabric, right? Um, in that 134 million households, 60,000 is a small number. Uh, and even mm-hmm. in that million and a half homes a year, 60,000 is a small number. And really the lifeblood of the industry is about um, homes built all over the place, around the country, buildings owned and operated by people you know that are not the institutional owners always that dominate the conversation. But the preponderance of real estate is still held and owned by everyday businesses. Um, some own one, two, three buildings. Um, that doesn't mean that they're small in, in quantum of dollars. That means that they're uh, more concentrated in their impact. And these are the places that give us shelter. These are the places that we, we've we come to learn uh, where our family memories are made, where our business memories are made, where commerce is, is conducted. And it's mm-hmm. remarkable to me how where we live and where we work is so different than how we live and how we work. Um, we live in an environment where we live in a wireless world. Most of our homes are still driven by wires. Right. We live in a place where um, the office space in which we operate is really pales in comparison to the progress that you see in IoT and artificial intelligence and data. And so one of the things that excited me as I left the, the world of home building and came into a world of being a private investor in the space is that the information of what our buildings are and how they operate are largely invisible to the general public. There's no common place you can go to and say, tell me about how a building is, what it's made up of. Um, And you can just get the plans and the details. It's largely siloed 
in the physicality of real estate. Mm-hmm. And so part of what's needed to find out what buildings are and how they operate is someone to walk through the front door, right, of buildings all around this country. There's almost 7 million of them in the United States alone. And the question is, how can you uh, incur the expense to walk through the front door of every building to get information of what they are and how they operate um, and still have business models that make sense and are affordable? And that is subsumed in one simple world, sharing. About 80% of the information of what a building is and how it operates is common, whether you're an insurance company, a lender, a a manufacturer, a provider of services. 80% of the questions you have that you need to drive your business, and there's trillions of dollars of these businesses, are based on 80% common information. But there's no common place to get that information. Hmm. So what Backpack does is very similar to other businesses like Carfax, where in the 1980s, they used modern technology like a fax machine to take information of cars and share them with everybody who needed them. Financiers, um, body shops, sellers, buyers, um, all of those people have the same common needs. Well, we live in a modern time where the fax machine is not the only way to share. In fact, enterprise software is very powerful in its ability to share. And so Backpack is the F-A-C-T-S, not the S-A-X, that takes um, a very forward-looking technology approach to uh, normalize data of what a building is and how it operates directly from on-premises, where about 75% of the information sits, and shares it with all of the folks, just like Carfax did, but in a manner where sharing drives down the price to, to, to access information. It's not used as a moat of propriety, per se. So uh, one point of clarification, I, I think would be good here. Uh, when we say buildings, we're referring to everything except for residential. Well, I think my comments are the same, but the tactic by which you collect information different. So we are talking about backpacks focus on commercial real estate, income Got producing it. assets, not single family homes. But the construct of information is the same, right? There is this corpus of information that Folks like Target want to know when they want to sell you products and services, but they have no way to really get it. And so our industry is left guessing. I'm kind of trying to infer what people want, but not with primary source data, with anecdotal information. Well, in the commercial real estate space, the opportunity today to get facts, source-based facts, upon which you make real-time decisions, real-time information, is absolutely possible. And most think of it as being too expensive to secure. But the reality is it's actually very affordable to secure if you share it across these groups of common need. And so you see this happen in so many different businesses. Bloomberg did this in the capital markets with public information of companies. Uh, LexisNexis did this with the legal community. Carfax did this in the automotive sector. But the 7 million buildings in this country, right, this $16 trillion industry, that represents 40% of the world's greenhouse gas emissions. Its data has Mm. yet to be touched. And so this is really about getting to the source of information. You have real-time decisions that are made on real-time knowledge. And the power of those decisions is transformative, whether it's to the environment, to the capital markets, to the operating markets, or even to the policymaking uh, bodies out there. When you have the real-time data, you make much better decisions. And so we liberate that data in a very affordable way. Now, you, you've been working on this problem for what? Two, three years, correct? 
We have been, yes. But you have a pretty built-out team. I mean, I, I look. I looked at the both the, the like the staff as well as your board of advisors. You've got a really stacked team. Executives from you know, publicly traded companies, obviously some of them, uh, you know, from maybe previous coworkers. My question to start is, what did you have to say to them that this is the thing to work on? So, not a lot because we all felt the same limitations in our prior lives and we all worked together. That's a great um, sales pitch, man. Part of the challenge. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, these are all colleagues. Look, we, we like to work together. We have worked together in the past. Uh, we've done amazing things by focusing, but we also have the same limitations, which is we were making decisions based on instinct, based on the imputation of information because there was no, fact-based place to get it. And so we all knew that the way to enable the markets to do new novel things, it doesn't always have to be disruptive. You don't have to walk in and change business practices and break plates to make your point. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes it's just having real-time knowledge. And with real-time knowledge, you have real-time decisions that are just much better. And so uh, part of what we are all focused around is how do we enable real-time knowledge in the marketplace without going through the pain of necessarily disrupting and breaking current business practices? And the way you do that is by sharing, which is a really new concept to the real estate industry, but it is not to other parts of the market. Look at what Airbnb did to hotels. They shared people's homes and they operated in a sharing economy to drive down prices. And people now have access to a much more diverse set of places that they probably didn't think they could afford at the time, but they know they can today. The power of sharing, right, is very different than hoarding. And so most people try to use their information as a means of propriety. To me, I think of it as a sea of opportunity. And so as you look towards sharing information and you recognize that needs are the same across all these trillions of dollars of constituencies and adjacencies that want access to the information, it was very clear to all of us that lived in these industries, right? And whether it was people from my prior life in home building, people, my friends in the industrial manufacturing world and the contract manufacturing world, we all saw the same problem. And we have seen the power of data platforms, not solutions, but data platforms that enable solutions today and in the future. And so we came back together because we all knew this was the problem. We all knew this was the solution. And we wanted to put our heads together on how to make it affordable. And so what Backpack has been able to demonstrate is that you can access information of what a building is and how it operates. You can share that across all the constituencies of common need. But you can do it at a price point that's less expensive than you pay today. And that ignites a sort of data revolution within the built environment. And as you think about it, when we represent 40% of the world's greenhouse gas emissions, and we represent trillions of dollars of commerce, and manufacturers are trying their hardest to find demand signals on how can builders and remodelers buy their products and services, the data really is the enablement layer. And there are not many people focused on solely sharing. In fact, mm-hmm. most of the community, and it's driven in part by a venture capital-like men- mindset to create propriety. But I think the power of sharing is far greater. 
than uh, people have given it credit for in the past. Yeah, I mean, uh, I can appreciate the fact that it's not, uh, uh, hey, we're going to disrupt the XYZ so many trillion dollar market. I feel like, you know, we've seen that tagline for the last 10 years pretty heavily coming from the startup community. Um, and then even, you know, it, it, it kind of came from SaaS business tools into prop tech and we applied the same thing, right? We're going to disrupt the X industry. We're going to disrupt how we do this. And, you know, uh, I, I don't know how closely you follow my LinkedIn posts, but I, I, you know, I just put up something this morning from my interview with Ethan Lieber, CEO of Latchel. And part of our conversation echoed a theme I'm hearing a lot more frequently than I think people were willing to talk about previously, which is that part of the challenge prop techs are facing is they promised to totally revolutionize or totally to disrupt a segment of the market at a blitzscaling pace and that the headwinds or some of the resistance of real estate has pushed back against that. So I want to follow up here though, is, is the, the resistance on your part to not disrupt, is it, is it to avoid some of those headwinds or is it just, there's simply just a better way that doesn't require total disruption? Um, I think it's a little bit of both. Um, at first, it's really easy to pattern match. Um, it's not always the most effective way of tra- solving problems. And by pattern match, I mean, look at what happened in the SaaS industry. Let's map, let's mirror that. Look at what happened in other adjacent industries. Let's mirror that. Um, and I think it's more emblematic of the fact that experience is really an undervalued asset. It's really easy to find mm. problems. In fact, there are a lot of people out there that identify problems that constrain our industry's growth. It's much harder to effectuate solutions. And the experience underlying the solutions in the marketplace today have to take into consideration the operational environment that we live in. You can't just throw everything out and start over. That would be great, but that would be impractical. You can't just rip down buildings and build new cities. You have to live within the constraints of what exists today. And that operating fabric is made up of many, many different businesses in highly distributed environments, hence my comment around the diversity of real estate, right? Even the biggest of the big command very small market share. This is a business that's distributed throughout the labor force. It's distributed throughout the country in many different places. And the result is most buildings are owned by people that have one, two, three, four, five buildings, not five, 10, 15,000 buildings. And so when you think about the solutions that are needed to solve acknowledge problems, the experience of doing this in a practical way versus the more disruptive way that's been financed and encouraged by the venture capital community um, leaves alternative paths that I think have been underexplored. And so by coming in and just making the facts available, most of the time that has been sufficient to liberate industries. And if you take back to the auto industry and I, you know, in the cafe standards, we have miles per gallon type metrics. We now know how every car operates, but underlying that, we have detailed understanding of every piece that goes into every car. The result is Mm. the automotive industry gave rise to things like Tesla. They gave rise to these new novel technologies because we had a core understanding of what cars were and how they operated. And we tried to do something better. And so rather than break Mm -hmm. plates to get there, we can inspire people to a different way of doing things, but only if they're willing to listen 
and only if you can offer solutions that don't, you know, fundamentally throw the baby out with the bathwater. Let's talk a little tactically for a minute. Uh, obviously, in sharing data, I'm assuming you're, uh, you know, while not disrupting all of real estate, you're modernizing it and you're not just giving people a, a download of a spreadsheet as uh, historically much of real estate is operated on spreadsheets. Can you talk about some of like the integrations that you're building in with the product and or as well as if we can get into like some of the specifics of like exactly what type of data are we talking that we're col- you're able to collect and share with, you know, adjacent uh, partners or industries? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think it really comes in three categories. The first is self-reported information that sits in the minds and desks of building owner operators around the country. And that ranges from square footage to mechanical, electrical, and plumbing plans, architectural plans, structural plans, lending documents. All of those things come from certain self-reported places. Uh, the next layer of it is really third-party derived information, which has been aided by modern APIs and technology. So today you can get your electric utilities directly from the electric utility or the water utility. Um, mm-hmm. And there are a number of different parties that are tech enabled that have open APIs who intend to allow building owners to share their information. But the third, and this is probably the most important is 75% of the information of what a building is and how it operates is on premises. You have to walk through the front door of real estate to understand it. Anyone who's worked in the industry knows that. And so the challenge is, how do you incur the cost of doing so, right, at a price point that the market can still afford? And that really is the power of enterprise software running in edge processors, sitting behind the firewalls of buildings, normalizing data from on-prem, right? And that could be HVAC, building management system, occupancy systems, indoor air quality systems, all of these types of information, and putting them in one place to share. Now, I think it's important when I say share, I don't mean that we own the data. The data is always owned by a building owner. But the method by which that information is shared has been an area of significant interest. So, again, to reason my analogy, in the consumer credit space, you have FICO, right, from the Fair Isaac Corporation. And they take disparate sources of data and share it to underlie all of our consumer finance in this country. You have that miles per gallon with the cafe standards. You have that with the appliance standards. You don't have that in the physicality of real estate, right? And so this is a much deeper data set. It's a richer data set and it has wider application, which means it's access and the cost of accessing it is the important part. Today, our industry spends over $100 billion a year just sharing information. Consultants who perform work to share it with Energy Star. Um, uh, internal resources to report up to lenders and insurers and manufacturers, all of that work costs money. But mm-hmm. 80% of the information is the same. And so this is just screaming for a modern software enterprise data-driven approach to say, if we can put it in one place and we can make it normalized in its access, building owners can permission access to their information less expensively than the $100 billion we spend a year today and for more productive purposes. Maybe the uh, manufacturers will want to start selling directly to building owners as opposed to the more attenuated supply chain. What, what happens there? Prices come down. Today, mm-hmm. you see Fannie Mae offering rate reductions on multifamily mortgages based on information that's the same as we've collected for 
insurance providers, as well as manufacturers. And so it really is this sort of modern approach to historical problem. Sharing has always been a highly effective means of reducing price and increasing value. It just hasn't come to bear in real estate per se. Um, And part of the reason it hasn't is the cost. We've solved that cost by bringing people together who understand contract manufacturing, production, home building, outsourced labor forces, uh, technology. And we've put all that together in ways that are driven by and guided by our experience to not break every plate along the path to that shining temple on the mount, but rather to create a path of less operational resistance. Yeah. One of the things you'd mentioned earlier was, uh, I think it was a metric here on 40% of greenhouse emissions coming from buildings. So I'm curious, you know, when you talk about data sharing and you mentioned that stat, there's obviously, it seems like there's a correlation here between uh, climate efforts and what's going on with buildings. Can you talk about like what does, you know, any existing climate efforts and whether that's just reducing gas emissions or any other uh, strategic objectives, what does, what does the real estate data being shareable unlock or what is the potential benefit uh, from that data? Well, first off, it shows the true cost of operating a building, uh, which is a difficult proposition for most to understand. If you look at the way we finance real estate, it's based on assumptions and averages. Mm-hmm. The average electric bill per square footage, the average loan, to, you know, debt to income, the av- you know, the averages associated. Well, in the case of residential homes, the average home was built in the 70s. We're dealing with technologies in 2023 that are much better than the technologies in the 70s, right? But we still constrain our capital markets by assumptions and averages. So the information that we speak of here has divisive impacts across all of the constituencies and adjacencies to real estate, not just climate, climate, insurance, capital markets, operating markets. And it really is a a deceptively simple construct, right? Sharing, but it's in fact what the market needs because they ask the same questions 80% of the time. And I keep bringing up that stat because it's really the most illustrative uh, view that the information of, of buildings is siloed in the physicality of the building. And someone has to liberate that information in a way that's of both high fidelity and high affordability. That historically has not happened, right? Data has been used as a means of propriety. But here uh, with Backpack, we challenge that fundamental construct, right? And in creating a business that looks like Carfax with modern technology, we bring mm-hmm. the prospect of real-time knowledge to real-time decision-making. And that is a spark that will just explode um, across all of the adjacencies, which use that data, use that information. Got it. I, I want to I get into something a little less uh, technical for a minute. Why the name Backpack? How does that fit into this? So... Um, We think of this information as sitting in a modern briefcase of our time. And I was always amazed when I would go to these meetings, we'd come in suits and ties and we'd all carry a backpack. Uh, The briefcase is gone and the backpack has changed. So we thought we'd have a little fun with it. We called it backpack. I don't know if you're aware of this. There is a, um, there's an Instagram meme 
and it's a it's a woman and she she she's doing a selfie video and it looks like she's walking downtown New York City. And she goes, mm-hmm. I don't know who needs to hear this, but if you're walking around wearing a backpack, you must not be doing so well. <laughs> and I oh thought immediately God. of first a bunch of trail runners because I run trails and we're always wearing a yep. backpack because that's where our hydration and everything. But I actually thought exactly what you just said. I was like, you know, every time I go to a conference, like some of the some of the best leaders I know are wearing backpacks. You know, it's still pretty cool to to walk around like you're going to school. Well, and I think it's more than cool. It's practical. And like, if you think about what's happened today, there's been a flight to practicality. So Mm. we could carry a small briefcase that looks beautiful, or we could carry a backpack that has everything we need in it. I think people are less worried about pomp and circumstance and they're worried about practicality. And so backpack is the modern toolkit, the modern briefcase of today. (laughs) I love it. But we're having it. fun with it. We're having some fun oh, with it. Good on you guys. So kind of leaning more into the marketing side. So because you're you're talking about like you're you're changing a little bit of like the mindset or at least operating on the mindset of how data should be shared and the benefits of sharing. And invariably, you know, anytime it's a, a new way of going about anything, that can kind of create some challenges on the sales and marketing front. What have you guys been doing to overcome some of those challenges and get in front of the ideal clients and show them the benefits of unlocking their data and making it more shareable. We've dropped our price, which is an unintuitive construct. You always think that you want to charge as much as possible. Our view is to charge as little as possible. Uh, And the way you unlock price is by sharing. So one of the reasons people have kind of uh, come to backpack is we're just less expensive than hiring a third party to do the same work over and over and over again. And in the initial instance, we're chipping away at that $100 billion a year that's spent to share data because we can do it less expensively. Why? Because when you realize that so many people desire access to that information, mm-hmm. by making those connection points available, you reduce the price you can charge and you increase the value that you can create. And so you have to share to do that um, and not use that information to compete. And so we're focused on sharing and enablement. That's why we're not actually acting on the information that we enable to be shared. We leave that to people who want to use that information at the permission of a building owner. We're simply focused on how do you share more effectively? And the market will decide what the right price is. But our price is deceptively low because we're able to share across so many different constituencies. It's counterintuitive, but it sounds like it's been effective as you guys have been picking up so much traction in in a very short amount of time. David, I'm going to shift here. We are going to jump into one of my favorite segments of the show. It's called For the Future. You're you're smiling. Have you heard this one before? I've seen a little bit of it, but I'm eager to participate. (laughs) Good stuff. Well, For the Future is a segment when I get to ask each guest who comes on the show to give their best predictions based on the following four questions. We'll kick it off with the easiest one. Number one, what does Backpack look like one year from now? Um, Sharing information for tens of thousands of buildings on its path to millions. Awesome. Number two, which adjacent industry to commercial real estate stands to benefit most directly from real estate data sharing over the next 10 years? Oof, that's a tough one. Um, I think the industrial manufacturers at the top of that list. Why? Because they operate with 
very expensive channels of distribution that will be made less expensive by direct access to demand. So I'd say industrial manufacturers. And then the second are our capital markets, uh, both insurance, uh, lending, uh, the regulations around all these things. Um, with information, you'll be able to more specifically price risk and the pricing of that risk and the stratification of that risk should manifest in lower price products like you're seeing with Fannie Mae's green lending program. All right, I'm going to tack on a follow-up here. How does the current interest rate or cost of capital environment impact people's uh, desire seeking to save on data and get the benefits of what you're talking about on data sharing? Look, as costs go up, everybody's trying to find ways to make them go down. And if you realize today that we deal in an imperfect market where we use averages and imputations of facts to drive the basis for pricing, reconciling those imputations of fact to actual fact and using those facts to reduce costs commensurate with real risk, right? Uh, this higher rate environment should drive people more towards finding ways to use their specific information of their building to reduce costs. So I think it's heightened as pricing goes up. All right. Number three on for the future, what's one industry trend you think will continue, but you wish would go away? Oh, great question. Industry trend that continues, but you wish you'd go away. Hmm. I think you got me stumped on that one. Um, I, I, I think it's probably this notion of disruption, right? That people keep following the path of pattern matching, trying to break uh, plates in order to drive change. I really would hope that experience and experience-based approaches would emerge as more practical and more valued. All right. And the final one here on For the Future, what's one thing you believe will dramatically change or fade away in real estate as a result of tech advances? As a result of tech advances. Um, hmm. These are good questions. Um, you know, um, I think uh, fact and myth will start to uh, spell and people start to make more principled decisions around facts and not just opinions. And with those facts, public policy will become more effective and more targeted. Um, the fact, you know, people will become more focused on a fit more efficient ways to drive outcomes. And so it's always difficult to work against uncertainty which is a lot of what happens in our government, a lot of what happens in the marketplace. Um, but if you really could connect real-time knowledge with real-time decisions, um, I, would, I would hope that that would be a trend that would continue on. And I do believe that technology is the only way you can reconcile you know, uh, fact and myth. All right. We're going to jump to the final segment here. David, uh, these last three questions are about you. So our listeners get to know you just a bit better. First one, what are you reading? What am I reading? I am reading um, a book from my friend Gotham Makunda on the consequential picking of presidents uh, in today's day and age. Big topic. Big topic. <laughs> feels like we're always in an election cycle now. Uh, 
So seems seems hyper relevant. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Number two here. Who are you learning from? Oh, I um I learn for everybody that I work around. I I've got this view that uh, businesses should operate in sort of an inverted hierarchy, which means the people who work for you, you really work for them. And so I'm amazed every day at when you enable people to make their own decisions and you provide them the counsel to consider those decisions, but not the directive on what to do. Um, The team that we have here and the colleagues that I have uh, around here uh, really inspire me to think differently. Um, And really I have found uh, are far more capable than I ever could be. Uh, I'm just sort of a foil for a lot of their good thinking. That's wonderful. And the last one, what inspires you? Um, I, I would I would say change, but I love to win, um, and I hate to lose. And <laughs> I, I think what what drives me is that sort of entrepreneur spirit, right? To say, um, after real deep thought and consideration, knowing where to go getting there and getting her done. That's what really gets me excited and sort of wake up every morning energized here. Um, whether it's backpack, whether it's the other investments that we have, um, it really is um, in the prop tech world, really a blank canvas. There's so much opportunity and there's so much inefficiency, but a little bit of change makes a huge difference. And so the prospect of getting her done is really what I think separates the wheat from the chaff. David, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for sharing about Backpack, your background, how, really how you built the team and, and you've been accomplishing so much in a short amount of time. Before we close out the show, for those who want to get in touch with you and or learn more about Backpack, where do they go and how do they do that? Uh, it's super simple. David at BackpackNetworks.com. Love the conversation and thoughts, uh, both positive and negative, uh, but we're always around. And then if you want to learn more about Backpack, it's just BackpackNetworks.com. Boom. There it is. Nice and easy. Uh, David, I hope to actually have a chance to catch up in person, maybe at some of the events uh, here down the line. But until then, we'll see you later. All right. Thanks a lot. Thanks for listening to TechNest, the PropTech podcast. Find all the links and resources mentioned in this episode on technest.io. You can get future episodes delivered to your ears directly by subscribing to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and all other major podcast apps. Follow TechNest on social media to stay up to speed on new developments, resources, and announcements in PropTech. Your support is greatly appreciated. There's two ways you can directly support this podcast. Share episodes you find interesting and then leave a review of the show in the App Store. From Nate and the TechNest team, thanks for listening.